is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Today, I'm going to give you some critical information, and that is how never to be deceived again by religious propaganda, by religious organization, uh, by a church, yes, by a church also. How never to become disillusioned with God through a church. You know, that's how most people become disillusioned with God is they, they, they get religion, they start going to church, and then their minister or a man lets them down. He's, he's found embezzling money, he's caught with a prostitute or something like that. And instead of blaming the man, they become disillusioned with religion and with God. So I'm going to teach you today how never to be deceived again. And the title of this message is How to Test the Spirits. All right, let's go into it. First John 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits or test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. How do you know that I'm not a false prophet? Well, I'm going to tell you how to test the spirits. I'm going to tell you how never to be deceived again. And it's very simplistic. Okay. Now, if they're not of God, in this scripture, again, let's take a look at it. This scripture says to try the spirits to see whether they are of God. Now, if they're not of God, what does that tell you? Well, that tells you that they're of another spirit, the dark side. If they're not of God, well, then that tells you exactly what you're thinking. Okay, if this spirit is not of God, then this spirit must come from a satanic spirit or the dark side. That's exactly. So we're told to test the spirits to see whether they are of the light side, the right side, or the dark side. Okay. So if they're not of God, they're of another spirit. Okay. Now, what you got to understand is this. There are two deeply religious spirits in the world. Now, I think most people would say, well, God is deeply religious. I understand that. But they don't understand that Satan is the most deeply religious being you will ever encounter. The Bible tells us that he appears as an angel of light. If Satan ever appears to, by your bedside, he's going to appear as an angelic angel, a spirit glowing, you know, a translucent, beautiful spirit being glowing, looks like an angel. And you're going to want to believe it. But you got to test the spirits. So there are two deeply religious spirits in the world, God and Satan. You know, the, the deception that is out there is this. Well, Satan is dressed in a red body stocking. He's got fangs, you know, uh, eight inches long. He looks like a monster. No, 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 no. Satan is the most deeply religious being you will ever encounter. And you have to be willing to test the spirits. And I'm going to tell you how to do this today. Now, in the book of Genesis, we see Satan setting up his newfound religion in the garden. And one of the first things he says to Eve is, he says, Has God said you can't eat of that tree? Has God said? Well, now, surely you don't. In other words, he's questioning the issue of obedience. Has God said you shouldn't eat of that? 
Ah, oh, come on, you, ain't, you don't have to obey God. All right, right off the get-go, we see Satan setting up his newfound religion to deceive people. Then he tells her, well, not only do you not have to obey God, you shall not surely die if you disobey God. If you eat of that fruit, a tree, that fruit, that forbidden fruit, you shall not surely die, which is basically the premises for the immortality, the false teaching of the immortality of the soul. Yes, in other words, what Satan was saying is this, look, I want you to worship God. I just want you to worship him the wrong way. There's the deception. I want you to worship God. I just want you to worship him the wrong way. Now, Jesus speaks about this great deception in Matthew 7 and verse 21, when he says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, oh, Lord, Lord, isn't it great to know the Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. It's about doing God's will, by the way. Very simplistic. It's about doing God's will, what God says to do. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. That's inspired preaching, by the way. And in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. I mean, look, we got soup kitchens. We got, we're feeding the poor. We're helping the community. Oh, yeah, they've done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And that word iniquity, it's just, it means a no law, a lawless doctrine teaching, workers of iniquity. A no law theology is basically what it is. Now, what is Jesus accusing these people of here? Well, is he accusing them of devil worship? No, they're, they're worshiping God. They're just worshiping him the wrong way. And the instrument is Satan who gets people to worship God the wrong way. That's the point. So, in other words, they're worshiping God. They're just doing it the wrong way. Now, understand something. Man's proclivity for self-deception is great, including myself. I mean, I understand this about myself. That's why I have to understand. I have to test the spirits also. When I'm listening to preachers, I have to constantly be on the guard to test the spirits to see whether they're of God or the dark side. But our proclivity for self-deception is great. Now, to be lost, let me just make a point here. To be lost in self-deception does not mean that one is spiritually lost and damned for hell or whatever. No, these people are worshiping God. They're just worshiping him the wrong way. In other words, they're trying to worship God. They're just doing it the wrong way. And God will have mercy on these people, I believe. And that sort of answers the question as to why Satan. Can, can God use Satan for his ultimate benefit? I think he can because of our great proclivity for self-deception. God comes along and says, okay, you want to be deceived? Here, let me give you a being right here who, who is a master at self-deception, who is a master at getting people to worship God the wrong way. And this is good to know when it comes to family members and loved ones that we have that maybe don't care about religion or, or don't give a rip about religion at all. It's good to know that people can be deceived, but they're not spiritually lost. Uh, they will get their chance later on. Now, 1 John 4 and verse 1, again, let's go back to it. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, what have we learned so far? 
We've learned so far that there are two deep, not one, but two deeply religious spirit beings out there, God and Satan. The good one, the dark one, the good side, the dark side. And we also learn that there are many false prophets that promote the dark side. Where do you find them at? The false prophets. You can find them at church. Where do you think you find them at? They're, 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 they're about worshiping God, but they're just teaching you to worship God the wrong way. Is, is, that's where you find the false prophets at, uh, in church, of course. Now, in order to test the spirits, you've got to fully realize what you're up against. Okay, and most people do not. I had a friend one time that said, he's, he, we were working together, and he said, you know, I believe all religion and all churches are good. Boy, was he deceived. He was under the illusion that there was only one deeply religious being in the world. He did not know. No, 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 no. There's not just one deeply religious being. There are two deeply religious spirit beings in the world. And the one, the satanic side, tries to get you to worship God, but he just wants you to worship him the wrong way. Okay, let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, in other words, this shouldn't surprise us that there are people out there like this. And the reason is, verse 14, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Again, if Satan ever appears at your bedside, he will appear to you as an angel of light. You're going to swear up and down. I know you shouldn't do that. Okay. All right. But, but you're going to say that was of God. I know it was of God because it, it was an angel glowing at my bedside. I know that. That's what you're going to say. Satan himself, look at it again. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And like I said, you've got to know what you're up against here. This is not, this is not for the immature Christian. This is for Christians who are only serious about a relationship with God. In other words, how to test the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. If you're a babe, you may, might want to cut this program off, a babe in Christ, because it's going to go over your head, in other words. All right, let's continue on. Verse 15, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed. You mean Satan has ministers? Well, yeah, that's what it says. Okay. It is no great thing if his ministers be also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. How do they come across? As ministers of righteousness. They talk about God. They want you to worship God. They just want you to worship him the wrong way. Now, you wonder how people overlook this. I, I really do. How do people look at the scripture and don't get it? That Satan and his ministers are deeply religious. I want you to worship God. I just want you to worship him the wrong way. Now let's take a look at, let's set this up, how to test the spirits and look at what God is doing to us or through us, okay? Deuteronomy 13 and verse one. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder come to pass. In other words, this guy delivers the goods here. He says, the sign or wonder going to come to pass, and it happens. Wherefore, he spake unto you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. No, no, notice, he has a message. All right. He does a sign, a miracle, a wonder, but he's got a message. Let's go after other gods. What is that? Well, that's deeply religious. 
This is religious stuff. Let's go after other gods. Let's worship God, but let's worship God the wrong way. Okay. You shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice this. Not only are we to test the spirits to see whether they are of God or not, but God is going to test us on a regular basis. How does he do that? Well, by testing us with other religions, other ideals, other ideas, uh, other uh, no-law theology. Law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross. That's how, in other words, God wants to see, okay, are you going to tread down that path of least resistance? Yeah, God is on a, daily, on a daily basis, God is testing us to see whether we will walk in his way or not. You know, I found that people want to feel something in their religion with God. They want a manifestation. You know, they want tongues, uh, spirits of laughter. They want to see something. They want to feel something. And uh, they want to name it and claim it ministry. God just wants to bless you and give you that four-car garage. You know, they, they, they want to feel a manifestation. They want to see something. And here's the thing. All of these ministries have a message. But if the message does not lead to genuine repentance... It's a false teacher. It is not, it's an act in futility. It's of the wrong side. If, if the message that you're hearing does not lead to repentance, everybody in that congregation, all 10,000, if it's not a message of repentance, it's an act in futility. Now, who is going to test the spirits for you? Well, no one's going to do it. This is something that you personally have to do. And not only God says, look, I'm going to test you on a regular basis, but you have to test the spirits. You know, most religious people are total, totally unaware of this reality. Okay, let's nail it down. How do you test the spirits? All right, get ready. I'm going to give you the answer here. How never to be deceived again. Here it is. Are you ready? Three, three words. Here's how you test the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. Are you ready? All right, here it is. By asking questions. Let me give you an example. By asking questions. Yes, that's what I said. By asking questions. Let me give you an example. I wrote a letter one time to a bunch of mega churches. If I told you the name of this ministry, you would recognize it right off the bat. Huge mega ministry. I was asking questions like, what do I got to do to be saved? That was my question. Okay, here was the answer. Choosing to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the most important decision you will ever make. I agree with that. Absolutely. 100%. God's word promises, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right. By his grace, God has already done everything to provide salvation. Your part, and that, that's what I was asking about, what do I got to do to be saved? Your part is simple is simply, excuse me, your part is simply to believe and receive. Okay, now there's a little bit of a problem there. My part's real simple. What do I got to do to be saved? Believe and receive. Okay, all right, I believe. I accept Jesus into my heart. Now let's, let's consider this. Let's consider some of the scriptures that he used here. Romans 10 and verse 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But let's continue reading. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What is righteousness? 
Let me tell you what righteousness is. All of God's law are righteousness. It is the willingness to obey and do what God says to do. It's the willingness to keep the Ten Commandments and incorporate them into your life. That's what righteousness is, okay? So a little bit more to it than just saying, I love you, Jesus. You know. All right, let's continue on. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But notice, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? You mean it's possible to hear a counterfeit gospel? Absolutely. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? The preacher has to be sent with a message of repentance. Turn your life to God. Allow God's spirit to receive the spirit of God and allow God to write his law, the Ten Commandments, upon your heart and upon your mind. He has to have the right message. And if you're not hearing the right message, you're just wasting your time with your religious activities. My point. Okay. The minister has to be called. One of the things that you, you identify is, you know, it's not a business. You know, he's not selling everything that he has. You know, that's one of the ways. You know, you give it away free. You know, you don't charge. You know, Jesus didn't get around selling stuff. You do know that. Know that, don't you? Now, sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, if you're giving away a complete program, you have to put a price on it. I understand that. But for the most part, everything that I do is free. I mean, I give, it, I give away my time. I give away the stuff, the material, free of charge. So that's one of the ways you identify a true minister of the gospel. But there's a conflict. Your part is real simple. This letter said, your part is real simple. Just believe and receive. That's what that letter said. Now let's compare it to what Jesus said. All right, Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came unto him and said, Good master, what shall I do that I may have eternal life? That was the question I was asking, by the way. How do I get myself saved? What do I have to do to have eternal life? This mega ministry said, just believe and receive. Well, let's compare that to what Jesus said. And he said, here was, here was Jesus' answer. Why do you call me good? There is none good but one. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Why didn't this mega ministry tell me that? The same thing that Jesus said. You know, if you're going to enter life, enter into life, you need to keep the commandments. Why didn't they tell me that? In fact, why will nearly no ministry out there tell you, you know, you need to keep the commandments? There's a reason why, you know. Okay, there's a reason why. Hebrews 5 and verse 9, and being made perfect, speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. How come he didn't tell me this? Why didn't this mega ministry tell me, you know, you do need to obey God? How hard would that have been to put that into that letter? You ought to obey God. Any father wants his children to obey him. You need to be willing to submit and surrender to God and submit to his law. Why don't they tell you that? Why? Why is it just your part's real simple? Just believe and receive. Everything's already been done. Just believe and receive. Why don't they tell you the rest? Now, you see, there's a conflict here between the two. Does God, you know, now, if you were to ask most religious people, does God want people to obey him? They would say, well, yeah. Uh, does Satan want people to obey God? No, he doesn't want people to obey God. Why wasn't there anything in this letter about obeying God in this letter? You see, Satan wants people to worship God. He just wants people to worship God the wrong way. Now, let's consider asking questions here. Okay. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about bombarding your minister with questions, but that is where you start. 
you know, we should never let our guard down. Because God says, look, I'm going to test you to see if you're going to walk in my ways or, or not. So if God is testing us on a daily basis, we ought to be willing to try the spirits and ask questions. Uh, can you think of a way you could test the spirits in your church, in the churches in your local area or the church that you go to? Well, yeah, by asking questions. You can, you know, okay, if you're not a confrontational person, write a letter. You know, write a letter and send it in to the, like I did and ask questions. What is your belief about the law of God? What is your belief about salvation? I want to know. You know, here's the problem. Mainstream Christianity is not tested today. They're not. No one asks any questions for a pity's sake. In fact, some of you belong to a church that if you were to ask a question, you'd get thrown out. That's a cult. That is a cult you're in. In fact, if you ask a question and you detect this you know, bristling up and who are you to question the authority of the ministry? You're in a cult. Get out if you can't ask questions. You know, I belong to a church where we're ridiculed and criticized all the time. Every, every one of our beliefs is torn to bits and pieces by, uh, by a lot of religious people, by the way. But we're tested all the time. People are always questioning us. But that's not the way mainstream Christianity is, no one ever asks any questions. Isaiah 8 and verse 20, to the law and testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. I mean, this is how you cut to the chase very quickly. You, you ask questions like, what is your view about the law of God, the Ten Commandments? Do I have to keep the Ten Commandments? What is your view? You want to cut to the chase very quickly? You ask that question. Write a letter. Send it in. Start asking questions questions. You got a favorite minister? You got a favorite person out there? Start sending in your letters and ask questions. And again, if you're in an organization, a church, a denomination where you can't ask questions, you're in a cult. You're in a cult and you need to get out of there. Now, if you don't know what the Bible teaches, you'll never be able to test the Spirit. That's what I'm saying. Because you got you got to test the Spirit by asking questions. And then you got to compare it. <clears throat> excuse me. you got to compare it to what the Bible says. You know, you don't want to be like my friend who said, well, I believe all churches are good and all religion is good. You know, he didn't understand that there are two religious spirits out there, one good, one bad. And that's why you have to test the spirits to see whether it's coming from God or not. You can't compare something with nothing. You got to do your homework. I offer a program, How to Begin a Relationship with God Without Church and Religion. And I, I try to get people to re realize the danger of just getting up and saying, well, I'm going to go choose a church of my choice, one that I can walk to, without ever considering, no, wait a minute, there are two deeply religious spirits out there, one good, one bad. You have to have the knowledge of the Bible to test the spirits. Now, what keeps us from testing the spirits? Several things here. Number one, the illusion that I have arrived. Look, once saved, always saved. I've arrived. I don't need to think about that stuff anymore, so I'm not asking any question. That's one of the things that keeps us from testing the spirits, the illusion that I have arrived. Spiritual growth is a process. It doesn't occur just because you say, I believe in Jesus. I mean, it's a lifelong process, and you have to ask questions. Another thing that keeps us from asking questions is our comfort zone. The, the, the desire to stay in our comfort zone, which basically means not asking questions, not rocking the boat, is our comfort zone, don't you know? 
Another thing that keeps us from asking questions is idol worship. The authority figure is placed on a pedestal above all others, and you cannot ask any questions. Again, if that describes your church, you're in a cult. Get out quickly. Another thing that keeps us from asking questions is good works. Good works can blind people. Look at all the good works that church is doing. Why, they got soup kitchens. They're doing all this wonderful work. You know, they're, they're, they're ministering to the community. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, look, I believe everybody's going to be rewarded according to their works. You know, even the atheist that does good things, he'll be rewarded also. Good works stand on their own is what I'm saying. I think the church should be involved in good works. But good works is not how you identify the truth. You know, all of our good deeds are as filthy rags, your Bible says. Good works is not how you test the spirit. Just because your church is involved in good works doesn't mean they have the truth. You've got to ask questions. Another thing that keeps us from asking questions is that my minister is so nice. While we go fly fishing together, and he's just a good old country boy, and I just like that man. He's so good. I'm, I'm going to tell you, he's a man of God, I tell you, because I like him. He's a man of God. Yeah, okay, what kind of nonsense is that? You know, I mean, personality, the ability to rise above personalities. you got to rise above the personality, and you've got to test the spirit, and you do that by asking questions. You know, in 1 John 4 and verse 2, it says, Hereby know we ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, what we know about evil spirits is that they can lie. We know that from 1 Kings uh, 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 chapter 22, that, that evil spirits can lie. Just because, listen, just because a person says, Jesus is Lord. That's not how you test the spirits. I mean, Jesus, you know, we know what Jesus said. He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Just because some spirit or preacher says, Jesus is Lord or Jesus is coming to flesh. We know that spirits can lie. Evil spirit, that is. But you've got to test these spirits by asking questions. Okay, so I've given you the answer here. How? to test the spirits, how never to be deceived again. The way you do that is by asking questions. If you're not a confrontational person, write a letter. But you got to ask questions. That's how you test the spirits. And I hope this has helped you to understand and how to do just that. How to test the spirits by asking questions. You question the instrument that the spirit is working through. You compare his message with the word of God. And you got to know the Word of God. All right, you, you, you question the spirit that the instrument is working through. And you do that by asking questions. Nobody is going to test the spirits for you. It is your duty. It is your obligation. No one's going to come along and do that for you. And third thing we need to remember is God on a continuous basis is testing us to see whether we will walk in his way and in his laws or not. I'm David Freeman, and I've just told you what's really in the Bible about how not to be deceived. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.